Let's open our Bibles this morning to the book of Acts, the 8th chapter of the book of Acts this morning. Appreciate these young ladies singing for the Lord and have a love for the Lord and the church and things of God. Acts chapter 8, we're going to read the four verses this morning. Acts chapter 8 and verses 1 through verse 4 this morning. And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout all the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentations over him. As for Saul, he made a havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women and committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Thank you and be seated. Our fathers, we come to you this morning. Lord, we ask thy blessings today upon the word of God that's been read and pray you to help us preach it today. And uh, Lord, may you speak to our heart a message out of these verses and others today. And uh, we thank you for the, uh, the man that was saved this week. And uh, Lord, we pray for others that they might be saved. And ask you, Lord, to encourage your people today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want us to back up by way of introduction to the seven chapters preceding uh, chapter 8 here in the book of Acts. And uh, of course, if we go all the way back to chapter 1, uh, we have the Lord there. And, uh, and he is giving them a promise there in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And he tells them uh, to tarry there into Jerusalem until they be endued with power from on high. Now this is the, the birth, the beginning, if you will, of the New Testament church. And then we get over to chapter 2 and we have the fulfillment of what he promised them in Acts 2. And they were endued with that power from on high, what we call Pentecost. And then we get over in Acts chapter 3, and we see that power that was promised, that was produced at Pentecost. We see that power displayed in Acts chapter 3, when the man at the gate who was lame and crippled uh, was healed. And then in chapter 4, we see the preachers uh, have been out preaching, and uh, they have great boldness and great power, and they're, they're praised for that. They said, we perceive that these men have been with Jesus when they saw the power that they had. And then in Acts 5, we see that God is keeping the pureness in the church because it's just starting out, and uh, you got Ananias and Sapphira that come in there and try uh, to bring some uh, impurity into the church, and both of them uh, wounds up getting slain and uh, buried there in Acts 5. And then in Acts 6, you have the people are selected for deacons and uh, they set aside, the Holy Ghost sets aside those in Acts 6. And then in Acts 7, you have great preaching uh, by Stephen. But when we get to Acts 8, where we're at right now, uh, it's a pivotal point, or it seems to be that way when we get to Acts 8. Uh, from Acts 1 all the way to Acts 7, the church has been 
winning. They've been going big guns, and everything's, uh, you know, God's with them. They're, they started out in great power. But then when you get to Acts 8, uh, those first four verses, seems like things begin to change for them. Really it doesn't, but it looks like it does. Uh, and uh, I want to preach this morning on this thought, for Lord to help me a few minutes. I want to preach on when winning looks like losing. When winning looks like losing. Here we have in chapter 8, the church is uh, beginning to get great persecution. It says in verse 1, it calls it that, calls it great persecution. And Saul is consenting unto the death of many of the people there in the New Testament church. Stephen, who had done the great preaching back in chapter 7, devout man carry him to his grave in verse 2 of chapter 8. And verse 3 said, Saul made havoc of the church and entered into every house, hailing men and women, committing them to prison. And it looks like that the church is losing, but they're not. Uh, really, they're winning. But sometimes winning looks like losing. You see, the Bible said when all this happened in these first three verses here, the Bible said in verse 4, they were scattered abroad everywhere. Verse 5 said they were preaching the Word of God. They were preaching the Word of God. Well, that's what God told them to do back in Acts 1. The Lord said, Tear in Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high, and then you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. But you know what? Things were going so good, they hadn't went anywhere. But the Bible said when this persecution started in chapter 8 and verse 1, the Bible said then they were scattered abroad. They were scattered abroad everywhere preaching the word. And you see, when it looked like they were losing, they really were winning. And uh, we'll look at that a little bit more in a minute concerning this chapter here. But I find this principle all the way through the Bible. And you see, the church cannot lose. The church cannot lose because Romans 8 and 37 already declares that we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. You say, what's that mean? That means we're already winners. Amen. We can't lose. But sometimes it looks like we're losing when we're winning. But I find that's a principle all the way through the Word of God. I want to go back and I want to look at Noah. When I think about Noah, I think about the catastrophe. I think about the flood. I think about the wrath of God. I think about the Andalusian world wiped out. I think about nobody standing back there but Noah. And if you were to look at Noah, you'd shake your head and say, Man, what a loser. Why the Bible even says in 1 Peter 3 and 20, it said God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing. Listen, we're in few. That is, eight souls were saved by water. When you look at what God said about Noah and you look back there at Noah, it looks like Noah's losing. But he ain't losing, he's winning, but it looks like losing. 
you say, what do you mean? Well, we look at Noah here, and when we look at Noah's compared to the rest of the world, here's one man, his family, and they are the only ones in the whole world that are standing for God in chapter 6, as the Bible tells us there. And when we look at the rest of the world, we find all the rest of the world, they're eating, they're drinking, they're marrying, they're giving in marriage, uh, uh, they're taking no thought of God. Uh, and if you were to look at all the world and what they're doing uh, and look at Noah's family, you'd say, why, that Noah is a losing. No, he's winning. You say, why you mean? Because the Bible said in Genesis 6 and 8 that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Out of all those people, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Then the Bible said this, in all those people, they're all going in one direction. They're all traveling the broad road. Uh, the broad road that Jesus talked about that led to destruction. Uh, uh, but only Noah and his family, only them are on the straight and the narrow way that leadeth unto life. Uh, and few there be that find it, but they found it. Amen. Uh, and Noah and his family, the Bible says that Noah walked with God. Amen. Uh, in other words, when you look at all the rest of the world, uh, uh, they're all going their way. They all look like winners. Uh, uh, but Noah is a winning even though he looks like a losing. Amen. Uh, uh, can I tell you, uh, I want to remind you again, the Bible said we uh, are more than conquerors through Him uh, uh, that loved us. Amen. Uh, uh, if you're saved this morning and you're in God's church, uh, you couldn't lose if you tried. Amen. Uh, uh, God's already, God's already uh, prematurely declared the winner. Amen. Uh, uh, and we win, thank God. Uh, I'm glad this morning that when I look at Noah in this world, you may look at yourself sometime uh, and look at all the rest of the world. They're not where you are this morning. They're not interested in what you are this morning. They look at you and shake their head and say, Man, what a bunch of losers. No, we're winners. We just look like we're losing. But we're winning. Amen. Uh, the Bible said, Noah, uh, you look at Noah there, and there Noah is, and his family, and they're all out there working. They're all out there building an ark. They're all out there every day working, building that ark, while the rest of the world uh, is eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. Uh, and I bet they passed by and they wagged their head at Noah and they said, man, look at that loser. Man, what a loser. Uh, look at him out there working uh, uh, every day, out there working and building a boat and it ain't never even rained uh, and talking that old crazy talk like God's going to destroy all the world someday. I'm telling you that Noah, if there ever was a loser, that Noah's one. Uh, uh, no, sir, uh, Noah is a winner. Amen. Uh, uh, because all the work uh, everybody else is doing don't mount to a hill of beans. Uh, uh, when God brings judgment down, uh, I tell you the only man's work that made any difference was Noah's. Amen. Uh, he may have looked like he was a losing, but no, uh, Noah is a winner. The Bible said Noah prepared an ark uh, uh, for the saving of his house. Amen. Uh, 
Ain't that good? The Bible says here in First Peter what I read, he said, Noah, God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was apparent were in few. That is, eight souls were saved by water. When you look at the ministry of Noah, when you look at what Noah did, if I were to tell you about a preacher and I were to tell you he's been at that church for 120 years and he ain't had but eight people saved in 120 years, you'd say, man, what a failure. You'd say, man, what a loser. No, he's a winner. Amen. You see, the Bible said Noah saved all of his house. He moved with fear to the building of an ark to the saving of his own household whereby he condemned the rest of the world. Noah's a winner. Amen. I remember years ago, I had never, I just announced my calling and I'd been in our home church for a little while, about six months, seven, and I was going to step out and I was going to be an interim pastor for another little church here in town. Uh, And uh, so the last night, me and my family were there. Uh, We were there in the end of the service. The pastor had us to come up, me and my wife, my two little boys. uh, uh, And there was a preacher there that night that had stopped by on the way uh, going home from a revival. I didn't know him. I'd never met him. uh, But that night he was there. And uh, when they got done, the pastor said, Brother Rick, his wife, his children, they're going to be leaving our church uh, and uh, they're going to be going to ministry and uh, we want to all come by and, uh, and, you know, tell them we're with them. We'll be praying for them. Uh, and so they all come by. The last man coming by in that line uh, was Brother Bill Ledbetter. I didn't know Brother Bill at that time. He got to be one of my best friends. I preached more revivals for him than I could ever remember. But that night, Brother Bill come by and he got my hand. I never will forget what he said. I, he got my hand. He said, Brother Rick, I'll be praying for you. He said, there's going to be some times uh, it's going to be hard. He said, there may be some times there won't be nobody there but just you and your wife and your family. But he said, remember this. Uh, he said, your family is the most important thing anyway. Well, I tell you, when he told me that, I thought I didn't really believe it would ever come to pass. I didn't believe it would ever be true. I, Uh, But one night up there in that upper building before we'd ever built on or done anything, uh, on a Wednesday night I was there, uh, and one thing always kept me going. Uh, I always had at least one person show up for service. I never had one service that I didn't have one person other than my family to show up for service. Uh, But that Wednesday night my wife was sick, she couldn't go. I took our two little boys, they went with me, they're just real small, uh, and uh, we went to church. Uh, I was supposed to start at 7, 7.15, nobody there. Uh, uh, I wasn't too worried, you know how Baptists are, they run late, you can not have anybody at 7.15, have a hundred people at 7 o'clock, I wasn't too worried. Uh, uh, but I'll tell you, ten till I'm worried. Five till I'm a little more worried. Uh, uh, three till I walk back there and I looked up the road and down the road and said, where are you people at? Amen. Uh, uh, but nobody came. Uh, seven o'clock, nobody came. I thought, well, maybe the clock's off a little bit. You know, I'll give it a few more minutes. Uh, uh, two after, nobody came. Five after, nobody came. Uh, 
I got my little boys by the hand. I said, come on, boys. I, I, I said, come on. I got them by the hand, and I turned the light off in the Sunday school room. I walked over to the door where we went outside, uh, and I reached up to turn the light off, uh, and one of my little boys pulled my hand. I don't know which one it was. Uh, he pulled my hand, and he said, where are we going, Daddy? Uh, I said, son, we're going home. Nobody can't. God spoke to me and said, what do you mean nobody came? Who's got a hold of your hand? I flipped that light back on. I went in that Sunday school room. I got me two folding chairs. I, I put Scott in one and Corey in one. And I got me one the best we could. We had prayer meeting that night. Amen. I, I'll tell you, in God's eyes, I believe if I ever was a winner, I was one that night. Amen. I, and I thank God, listen, I, uh, if you don't do nothing else but go to church uh, and influence your family and they get saved, uh, you're a winner, amen. Uh, and if you don't do nothing else but go to church, uh, even though your family may not be here today, even though they're not coming and you look and you say, man, I'm a loser. I can't even get my own family in church. Uh, I know you might look like a loser, but you're a winner. Uh, I'll tell you, they'll remember mom and daddy. Uh, they'll remember you went to church even though though they wouldn't. They'll remember you believed in God even though maybe they didn't. I, I want you to know that sometimes I, I, when you're winning it looks like you're losing but you're winning. Amen. I, you're winning. Noah the catastrophe. That principle is never displayed and seen any plainer than on the cross. Amen. I'll just read a couple of verses I've selected in John 19.30. Jesus is on the cross. He has been beaten. He has been nailed to the cross. He has been spit upon. He has had His beard plucked out. He has been called a malefactor, a liar, an imposter. He has hung between two thieves. If anybody ever in their life looked like a loser, Jesus looked like a loser on the cross. But He's a winner. John 19 and 30, our Lord, after being beaten, after tossed in agony for your sins and mine, after His rich red royal blood that would pay for the church and cover our sins and wash our sins away, had run down His legs and down His feet, our Lord hung there on the cross and after about six hours after He had tasted our hail, took our beating, received our stripes, bruised for us, uh, uh, after He had done all that, the Bible said uh, that the Lord Jesus said, uh, It is finished. Uh, and I'm sure those looking around that heard them words, Brother Sammy, I'm sure they looked around and they wagged their head and they said, Man, what a loser. Uh, uh, man, what a loser. Uh, uh, look how he finished. Why, he even said, uh, it is finished. Uh, uh, my, how he looked like a loser there, but he's not. He's a winner. Uh, 
Uh, but I want you to know he hangs there. Uh, uh, the soldiers come by. They break the legs of the one on this side and that side. Uh, and they come to the Lord Jesus. Uh, and uh, they look at him. Uh, and he's already dead. Uh, and so they don't break his legs. Uh, uh, they just leave him hanging there. Uh, his limp body. Uh, his pale face. Uh, uh, his hands that had blessed and touched millions. His feet that were beautiful because they had preached the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, his head that had thought up the plan of redemption. Uh, his mouth that had spoken to creation all that had ever been created. Uh, as our Lord hung there on the cross, limp and pale and lifeless. And Joseph of Arimathea went and begged the body of Jesus. Uh, uh, and you can see them there. Uh, I have a painting uh, of them taking Jesus down from the cross. Uh, his limp body. And they're taking Him down. His lifeless body. Uh, and I'm sure as they take it down, there's those standing by. And they're saying, My, what a loser. Amen. Uh, what a loser. But He's not a loser. He's a winning. Amen. Uh, I want you to know that He didn't say, I'm finished. He said, It is is finished. Uh, they took his limp body. Why he didn't even have a place to be buried. Uh, uh, and they took him. And Joseph of Arimathea, he said, I've got a new tomb wherein never man laid. And Joseph went and got him. Nicodemus, they prepared the body. They put Jesus in that uh, tomb there. Uh, and I'll tell you, if anybody ever looked like a loser, why there's a man that's lived 33 years, don't even have a home. Uh, uh, birds have a nest. Uh, uh, birds have a place and uh, foxes have holes. Birds have nests. Why he ain't even got anywhere to lay his head. Uh, uh, there's a man uh, ain't even got enough money to pay his taxes. Uh, he had to send somebody to catch a fish to get the money out to pay his taxes. Uh, there's a man that never did finish any school. He never did elect, get elected to any public office. I, I'll tell you if they was ever a loser right there is a loser. And they bury him. You ever notice how sometimes winning looks like losing? They took him, they put him in there and put a stone there. And his disciples that walked with him. He talked to them, prayed with them. Why, his disciples, they thought he was a loser too. They thought he was gone. They thought he was dead. They thought that there was the end of Jesus. You say, how you know that? The Bible says that. The Bible says that there was a few of them assembled for fear of the Jews. Said he's dead, he's gone. They're gonna be coming for us next. We better be hiding. And then if that wasn't enough, there's two walking along the Emmaus Road. Cleopius and probably his wife, the Bible doesn't say, but they're walking along the Emmaus Road and and a stranger comes walking along beside them. And he said, uh, and he looked at them, he looked at their countenance, like I looked at some of y'all's this morning. He looked at their countenance and he said, What manner of communication is this that you have? Why are you so sad? And they said, Have you not heard? 
Don't you know? He's dead. Our hope was in Him. He's gone. The loser. Why? Wasn't just his disciples. Why? Even the devil and the princesses of this world. Do you know this world's got princesses? Do you know that every country's got a prince? You say, what made that leader do that? His prince. Because his prince don't even know it, but he's working under the authority of God. You see, God's got a word here. You're holding it. God's got a plan there. Read about it. And God is going to bring that plan to about. You say, how's He going to do it? He's going to move people to do stuff they don't even know why they're doing it. The princesses of this world, they thought when He gasped and dropped His head on that cross, He said, a loser. He's a loser! We win! You say, how do you know that? The Bible says it. 1 Corinthians 2, 7, 8, it said, which none of the princes knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You see, if they knew how this thing's going to end up, they wouldn't have done that. You say, why? Because what they did just played right into his winning, even though he looks like he's losing. See? See how that is? Not only the disciples, not only the princes and the devils of this world, but the ladies. You remember the ladies that came at the sepulcher? And you remember what they were doing? Mary's standing outside and she's weeping uncontrollably. She's crying. She thinks it's over. She said, where have you took our Lord? It's over. He lost. He's a loser. Well, he looks like he is. He's a winner. First day, he looked like a loser. Second day, he looked like a loser. Third day, them princesses that I was talking about, they're getting nervous. Something's going on. Something's going on. Mary goes down there weeping. And the angel said, why do you weep? He's not here. He's risen from the dead. He looked like a he looked like a, a loser, but he's a winner on the third day, and he's still winning today, and he's been a winner ever since, and he always will be a winner. I'm telling you, thank God that even though he looked like he was losing, he was winning. He was winning. Amen. That good. See, things do not always appear as they are. 
There's a way that looketh right unto man, but the end thereof is the ways of death. There's a principle laid out in the Bible from cover to cover that God's people look like they're losing when they're winning. We're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. We got Noah, the catastrophe. We got Christ on the cross. But we got Saul's conversion. You see, we read there that Saul was consenting unto death, persecuting the church, uh, killing the saints, having the saints arrested. I mean, it looks like Saul is winning. Looks like the church is losing, and Saul is winning. After all, he's the young man standing there when Stephen preaches the Word of God. They get upset and they, they didn't like the Word. They lost people never have liked the Word. Religious people never have liked the Word. And they hated Him so bad they gnashed upon Him with their teeth. They stoned Him to death. It looks like Stephen is a loser. But as he goes down, he said, I see Jesus. He's a winner. Well, there's somebody there. They said, somebody, somebody hold our coats while we stone this preacher. There's a young man there said, I'll do it, I'll do it. I hate him anyway. I, I'll hold him while you stone this Jesus preacher. And so they give him their coats and they stone him. And the Bible says, it's right there where we was reading. The Bible says, and they stoned Stephen Right before that said so they laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Verse 8, And Saul was consenting. It looks like Saul won and Stephen lost. But when Stephen was a winning, he looked like he was a losing. You say, why? Because that young man standing there, he heard that preaching. That young man standing there, he knew all the Bible, just like Stephen did. But he never had been able to really see what it was really talking about. And Stephen brings Jesus into play. Stephen said, you've murdered Him. You, you've crucified Him. You're guilty of murdering Him. Yeah. And Saul's standing there. He's hearing all that preaching. Sometimes when people jump up and run out, and so, sometimes when people get upset at the preaching, and it looks like the preacher's losing, no, he's winning. He's winning. You say, why? They can leave the preacher, but they can't leave the Word. They cannot look at my face no more, but they cannot keep from hearing God's Word. The Bible said God's Word that He sends out will prosper in the place where He sends it. Old Saul standing there. Say, what happened? Well, 
Look like the church is losing. But you get on down there in verse 5, and Philip, Philip preaches and he goes out. They're scattered everywhere. One goes this way, one that way, one that way. And everybody's preaching the Word. And God says, hey, Philip, I know you're having a good meeting, but I need you to go over here and see us old boy over here. It's lost. Boy, what a blessing. Brother Rondell uh, let me in on uh, Friday. And, uh, and I'm going to be honest, Rondell. When he called me, he said, this man's 92 years old. He's got lung cancer. And I thought, 92 years old, he's got lung cancer. He's probably going to be in the bed. He ain't even going to know what we're talking about. He's probably going to weigh about 90 pounds. We drove two counties over. We got there and there's this huge man. Huge man. Got the biggest hands I've ever seen on any man in my life. We go in there and sit down. Rondo begins to talk to him because I didn't know him. Brother Rondo goes in there and he begins to talk to him about this, that, and the other. I just sat there listening. And then Brother Rondo, God bless his heart, Rondo Harrison, he has a love for souls. He has a love for his friends that he knows that ain't saved. And after about 20 minutes, that Rondo says, Have you ever made your peace with God? He said, no, I ain't. He said, you need to get that done. He said, yeah, I know it. I know it. I'm still just sitting there. He talked for a little while, and he said, you know, I lost my wife last year. We've been married for 70 years. And I seen his eyes fill up. Lord said, there you go. Lord said, ask him if his wife's saved. I said, Lord, what she ain't? Just asked her if his wife saved. I said, sir, was your wife a Christian? He said, oh, yes, she was saved. She was a Christian woman, and he just began to bawl. I said, sir, you ought to get saved. Let God forgive your sins so you can see her again someday. Yes, began to bawl. I told him some scripture verses and what God said about being saved. I said, sir, would you be willing to pray and ask Jesus to save you and to forgive you today? He said, I would. I would. And that big old man, Lance, he got saved. And I thought he was literally going to squeeze Rondell Harrison in two. He shook my hand over and over and over again. And I didn't do nothing other than Brother Rondell let me get in on the blessing. That's all I did. When we left that house, he was still sitting there a weeping and a crying. I, but I want you to know, I, 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 thought, I thought this was going to be a losing thing and it turned out a winning thing. Amen. I, I, well, that's the way it was with Saul. It looked like nobody could reach Saul. Uh, the Bible said Philip... He won that Ethiopian eunuch, but in just one chapter over, one chapter over, from where Stephen died, Saul has got more. He's going to arrest Christians. 
He's going to have some more killed. He's going to have some more committed. And the Bible said, I just like the way the Bible says it. It said, and as he journeyed, there came a light from heaven. Shine round about him, a light from heaven. And he fell on his fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus. Where did he hear that at? Oh yeah, over there that man is stoning. I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And he said, Why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? One chapter over. It looked like the church was losing. But even while there's a losing, there's a winning. You see, the greatest soldier in the Christian army that would ever be saved, I was saved one chapter over when it looked like they were losing. Paul wrote 14 books of the Word of God. Paul was a champion for the Gentiles, thank God. What did the Bible say? We're more than cockers who haven't loved us. When it looks like you're losing, you might be winning. You are winning if you're a child of God. See, it looked like Paul was losing. You say, why did it look like he was losing? Well, listen to him in Philippians 3. He said, finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same thing to you, to me indeed, it's not grievous, but for you it's safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Jesus Christ. Have no confidence in the flesh. That's Paul talking. Listen to what he said. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh... If any other man thinketh that he hath whereon he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, touching the law, a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Blameless. Looked like Paul's a losing. He lost his pedigree. You say, what do you mean? He's a Hebrew of the Hebrews, of the tribe of Benjamin. Well, when Paul got saved, he lost that. You say, why? Because any Jew that gets saved, their family disowns them. They, they have a funeral for them and, and bury them and say, you're dead to us. Dead to us. Some people believe there's a good possibility that Paul may have had a wife. He seems to know a lot about marriage. 
But some think Paul may have had a wife. You say what happened to her when Paul converted over to Christianity? Her being a Jew, her being what she was, she disowned him. He, she's, he's dead to her. You say, is that true? I don't know. It could be. But I know he lost his pedigree. Lost his pedigree. He lost his position. Looks like a loser, don't he? Maybe lost his wife. Maybe lost his lineage. Maybe lost his mom and his dad and his family. He's dead to them. Looked like a loser to me. He lost his position as a Pharisee. The Bible said he said, considering the law of Pharisee. Brother, he wasn't just any Pharisee. He had standing. He had standing. I mean, he had position. He had title. He lost it. He lost it. Not only that, he lost his personal training. Paul studied at the feet of Gamaliel. Paul studied at the greatest teachers of the law that any man could ever study in. And Paul said, What things were gained to me, I count them as lost. I, he said, Those things that were gained to me, he said, I count them that lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things. Looks like a loser to me. I count them all dung. That I might win Christ. He's a winner. He looked like a loser. Amen. See, when you get saved, the world looks at you like a loser. What a waste. What a dummy. Giving money to that church. Giving their time to that church. Quit drinking. Quit running around. I quit living a life of sin. What a loser. Uh-uh. What a winner. What a winner. Sometimes when you winning, it feels like losing. Sometimes when you're winning, it looks like losing. In 1974, there was a man from Louisville. You remember him. His name was Cassius Clay. Later, Muhammad Ali. My mom met him one time at the airport. She was going to Alaska to my sister's and he was there at the airport. And my mom met him. and They got there close together. Of course, he had Parkinson's. My mother had Parkinson's. And I guess, you know, kind of shell-shocked from the fact she was standing in front of Muhammad Ali. She said, I didn't know what to say. And she said, I felt so silly. I just said, God bless you, Muhammad Ali. <laughs> but, at, but, at, but at the age of 32, he was fighting a man younger than him 25 years old, it looked like that there was no hope for him to win. This man was younger. This man was stronger. Uh, this man was bigger. They're fighting for the world title. 
First round, George Foreman beats him to death. All Cassius Clay does is hide his face and lean on the ropes. Beat him to death. Second round, same thing. Looks like a loser to me. Hands over his face. Letting him beat him to death. Third round. Fourth round, same thing. Fifth round, same thing. Sixth round, same thing. Seventh round, just laying on the ropes. I think that's what uh, Banks is doing yesterday. Rope a dope. And, and for seven rounds, I don't know who the announcer would have been at that time, probably Howard Cosell, would you say? And Howard Cosell, if he was the announcer, ever who the announcer was in the seventh round, he said he's beaten him to death. Uh, what they didn't know is Muhammad Ali, he had prepared himself. Uh, it was all his plan. Uh, he had prepared his midsection to take lick after lick after lick. He was only protecting his face uh, and laying against the ropes. Uh, his plan was to wear George Foreman out. Uh, and in the eighth round, he knocked him out. <laughs> Looked like a loser. But he's a winner. Harry Cosell said in the seventh ground, he said he's killing him. He said, wait a minute. That man's grinning. Cassius Clay is grinning because he's playing right into his hands. He knew he was fixing to knock him out. And I tell you, our Lord, It's been looking like he's been losing for a long time. It looks like he's just laying back and letting them beat him to death. It looks like he's a losing. But the Bible said, He that setteth in the heavens of life, he'll have them in diversion. The Bible says, when they think they got him, He's going to knock them out. How y'all stay so quiet? Y'all holding on to your seat, keep them jumping up. What is it? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, for 6,000 years, they've been beating on our Lord and beating on our Lord and beating on our Lord. But round seven's coming up. He's going to knock him out in round eight. Amen. And the world this morning thinks they're winning. No, you're losing. And the church this morning thinks they're losing. No, you're winning. Amen. Well, I'm on the winning side. Yes, I'm on the winning side. Go up here and lead that, Caleb. Let's stand up and sing that this morning. Glory to God, I tell you, sometimes it looks like that you're winning. It looks like you're losing, but you're winning. Amen. Amen. You need to come pray, come pray today.
faded out in sin, had no hope, no joy within, and my soul was burdened down with pride. Then my Savior, then my Savior came along, and he showed me I was wrong. Now I know I'm on the winning side. Well, I'm on. Well, I'm on the winning side. Yes, I'm on the winning side. Out in sin, no longer I'll abide. I've enlisted in the fight. I've enlisted in the fight for the cause of truth and right. Praise the Lord, I'm on the winning side. From the straight and narrow way, from the straight and narrow way, I was drifting, drifting out upon the waters. Waters deep and wide, but it's all over now. But it's all over now. Glory light is on my brow, and my soul.